Welcome to Sports and Songs episode number 38. Today is September 4th, 2020, Labor Day weekend, special Friday evening show. I'm your co-host Dan, along with Andy. Andy, how are you doing this, this Friday evening? Good. Labor Day weekend is here. Lots of sports to cover. Lots of things to go over. Pro sports, college, high school, amateur. A lot of musical updates, and uh, and our album of the week in review. Um, once again, this is episode thirty-eight. Scrolling on the bottom on the crawl is another way to reach us as well. On Facebook, we've got a group there. Also on Instagram. How many followers on Instagram are, are we at the 500 mark yet? No, we're like at 438 right now. Um, every now and then, one of us usually put a video or two out throughout the week on Instagram. So you usually see those tagged on the end of the YouTube video every week. But we try to put something out there every now and then, a little update, breaking news type stuff. Awesome. All right, that sounds good. Well, let's get started then. Um, I've got some images here to bring up as we talk about the latest in sports, but you can go ahead and take it away. Yeah, we'll start with, we'll start with playoffs. Stuff is all starting on NASCAR's playoffs is starting this uh, next week. Saturday, or Sunday at 5 o'clock Minnesota time here. The Cookout Southern 500 at Darlington. Uh, NASCAR has a race. Last, they raced to their finals now. They got their 16 drivers in. They qualify either by points or by winning, which they've done. Um, and the field narrows down to at least 10 races. Other drivers are still in. It's not just these 10, so you can still play spoiler in there. So it's kind of fun. You're really starting to get into NASCAR. Now's the time to watch. It's kind of fun, I think. But uh, the Cookout Southern 500, uh, Sunday at 5 o'clock on uh, NBCSN. I have no idea what channel that is on your tables. You have to look for it. But it's worth a look. Um, Darlington Speedway is 500, so it's 367 laps. Actually, 501.3 miles. But it sounds stupid to say it's something cook out 501.3, so they say 500. Awesome. That's a Sunday. Uh, high school sports. Um, covered earlier, Lester Prairie's Marissa Radke has said she's going to be going to Northern State University in Aberdeen. Uh, she was a basketball player at Lester Prairie. She was Continuing her career there, so congratulations to her for getting the scholarship and going there. Yeah, there it is. I've got it. I've got that so pulled up. Local kids, we always kind of follow them and mention them when they go to college. College basketball season starts. Whatever that's going to be, we'll see how she's doing. We'll follow her progress and good luck to her and the team down there. Uh, speaking of college sports, we'll start with uh, Gopher volleyball. A couple girls, uh, Lauren Gibbermeyer and Taylor Morgan, have both decided to play for that, what's called. Athletes Unlimited, it's like a pro volleyball down in, Ten in Nashville, Tennessee. And I heard a sixth player announced today from the Gopher alumni that's going to be playing there. Not many players on any teams, but professional women's volleyball. Volleyball fans, uh, look it up. AP or AU Pro Volleyball is their, their link on Facebook and on uh, Twitter and stuff and Instagram. And if you say Gopher Volleyball on Instagram, these players have their congratulations on going to that link to the league on there. Kind of fun to watch. This league also has women's softball, too. Look, kind of a professional amateur softball league. So it's kind of fun to watch for those of you interested in that. Speaking of Gopher baseball, on Wednesday, the Gopher baseball team started practicing again. Uh, it's the first time the guys have been together since March 12th. Um, so baseball practices are starting. We'll see how it goes. Very exciting news anyway to hear baseball is coming again for Gophers. 
Um, that's always fun to watch college go for hockey. Uh, 100 seasons. Some players want to bring back the old uh, hockey helmet. The old logo on it. There you go. Kind of looks like an old football helmet back in the day, but that's an old hockey helmet. Might see that set. Safety reasons, you might not have that exact helmet, but somewhere that would be kind of cool. Like when they do the throwbacks for football helmets. Nice to see hockey get on board with that sometimes. Speaking of football, Rashad Bateman of the Gophers has announced that he's going to sit out this season because of COVID-19. Um, a lot of players are doing it. Again, I'm not one here to say this, that, or the other on it. That's his personal choice. I, I hope everything's okay. I hope it's not a has it, and that's why I sing out. I hope he doesn't have other family members that are in danger of it. But he uh, is going to do that, set out. Hopefully he doesn't hurt too bad in the draft. Hopefully he still stays in shape. I don't know how the rules go for football. If he can still practice with the team. I doubt it. if you're sitting out, you're not going to be with them. I don't know if a group of these guys are still getting the others to stay in shape to work out. But again, um, Rashad Bateman has decided to sit out the season and get ready for the 2021 draft. So good luck to him on that. Uh, go for basketball. A little bit of all these go for sports are in there today. It's a good week. Uh, they we announced a while ago they had transfer center Liam Robbins uh, was going to transfer over and NCAA has granted permission for him to start immediately. Sometimes players have to sit out whether with COVID and delay and everything else. Uh, Coach Richard Pitino has announced on Wednesday that he will be able to play. Um, was from Davenport, Iowa. He joined the Gophers in the summer. He played two seasons at Drake. And that will be the Gophers um, you know, two years ago. So we'll go with that. So hopefully that help him, helps and uh, get the Gophers going back on track. Uh, good young player there. He's got two years of eligibility. Uh, Major League Baseball news. Um, on September 1st, uh, there's some notes about the Mets have been for sale, you know. A-Rod and J-Lo and their group and Steve Cohn. Um, there was reports that Cohn had got uh, the rights to be the team to bid for it. Uh, he was going to bid about $2.35 billion, billion dollars for the team. Um, I heard today there was some other scuttlebutt. You know, A-Rod came out on social media and so J-Lo saying, oh, layup, blah, blah, blah. But then now they're coming back going, hey, wait a minute. We were told we had to put our final bid in earlier. We thought we had until August 31st. I don't know if they're going to try to rebid it again or not. I know I've heard Major League Baseball really wants A-Rod and his group to own the team. Except for this guy. We'll see. So is the deal done or not? But right now we're at $2.35 billion. Um, I know I have about $8 right now to put towards that to buy the team. So I'm out of the race. Hopefully, uh, whoever buys them puts money into the team and we can get things going. So that's that. I know um, the Mets had a heartbreak news yesterday to uh, Tom Seaver passing away. Cool tributes last night. I know we put some of that on our social media about what they did for that. Watch for our blog coming up this week. to be a special. I'm working on writing report on the career of Tom Seaver. Tom Terrific. Greatest Met pitcher, greatest Met player of all time. Ask anybody who's a Mets fan, they'll say it's Tom Seaver's Met player, number one all time. Mets, Mount Rushmore is Tom Seaver, and three more pictures of Tom Seaver. That's just way cool. Speaking of players who think they're great, Manny Ramirez. Uh, he 
Boston. We were done with Manny. Uh, he left the Boston Red Sox. Well, the Blue Sox and Australian baseball have swooped up the 12-time Major League All-Star Manny, or 12-time Major League All-Star Manny Ramirez. Uh, he's a 48-year-old, signed a one-year deal. So he's we playing now, uh, one year in Australia. We've been covering Australian baseball here. Old Trusty will still be following Mr. Manny Ramirez down there, see how that goes. I don't know if the ploy to get back in the majors. He's trying to prove himself again. If it's a, uh, hey, look what I did. I did in Australia. Who knows? But hopefully he takes it seriously. It'll be kind of fun to watch Manny down there. Uh, speaking of other players, um, NFL. A little NFL news here. Uh, London Fletcher of the Washington Redskins, as the talk has come up about him going to the Hall of Fame. And which got me thinking, when he goes, played, or is he going as a Washington football team player or whatever name they changed to? I mean, you play for a team. Earl Campbell played for the Houston Oilers. So if someone like London Fletcher goes in, we'll still say Washington Redskins. I think they're going to change plaques of players in there from the Redskins to whatever their name's going to be. Um, so we're kind of curious, kind of keep an eye on that, see how they handle it. Um, I think it's real funny how the Redskins haven't come up with a new name yet. Um, football starts Thursday. They're the Washington football team. Sounds like a startup league or something like that. Oh, the Washington football team. No one's going to take you seriously with that. they got to come up with a name on it. That's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I think, I think what they agreed to do, Andy, was for this year only just play without a nickname and then have the year to come up with a nickname and a logo for 2021 season is what I understood the team this, this, this whole season is what I believe. It's going to be curious at, at, at the 50-yard line for the home game, they have their R logo or the NFL logo or nothing. I'm kind of curious to see what they do with that too. You know, I'm guessing it'll be just the the NFL logo or nothing at all. But uh, you're right no, as far as the end zones. You know, end zones also. What will that be? Washington probably just say Washington, I guess. Yep. But could be that. You no, know, and Dan Snyder, you might sell for advertising too. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the case. Good luck to that. Uh, getting back to baseball, there's some trades in the trade deadline. Um, Twins made none. Um, Dodgers made none. Yankees made none. The Mets did make some trades. Um, one of the big trades they got back that's already kind of panning out is they got Todd Frazier back. Um, for uh, players we name later. Todd Frazier's not going to do a lot on the bases with the team. He's not going to do a lot of bats to help the team. He's a great clubhouse guy. He's a great bench guy to have around. So I think that's going to help to get the team. I think they make the playoffs with by adding Todd Frazier. If they do, it's because of what he does in the clubhouse and on the bench, not what Todd Frazier does on the field. No rip on Todd Frazier as an athlete. That's just the kind of guy he is. Nice guy, lightens it up in the mood. We'll see how that goes. Uh, the Mets also got a couple other players uh, from the Rangers for players to be named later. And uh, with the Orioles... They did give up Kevin Smith and the Mets' number 12 prospect and a player being later. So lots of players being later. These different rosters with the pandemic right now. I'm very curious how that's all going to work for minor leaguers later. 
So we'll have to watch this offseason and spring training. Certain guys. Hopefully the Orioles are not that smart. Maybe they can get rid of some of these big contracts to them, you know. The, you know any contract here, there's some contracts, but we'll see how that happens out there. All right. Uh, former Gopher baseball player and first team All-American and 2018 Minneapolis Regional MVP, Karan Barba. He is headed back to the Orioles. Um, he was sent back there. Uh, so he's good luck to him. Getting, going back in his career for baseball, we will hear that name and see him come back again. The Padres did make some big changes at trade deadline. Padres are being real impressive this year. They picked up Cliviger uh, uh, and Allen at third in the lane. Came later from the Indians. Got rid of some, some weight there. Um, the Padres are really surprising me this year. Uh, I knew they'd be contenders. I hope they're not on all the gas right now and be dead come the playoffs. I think that's why we went after, went after some pitching to be safe. Frando, Frando Tendis Jr. doing awesome. Again, hope he's not a flash in the pan. Hope he can keep this type of stuff up. It's fun watching him play. Um, kind of Pete Rose-esque, meaning he's always going 110% all the time. Um, that's fun to see. You don't see a lot of that players anymore, so it's kind of cool to see you. Um, also, hockey playoffs are going right now. NHL stuff. With the empty arenas, you got some cool camera angles. I don't know if you've seen any of the NHL playoff games. They're awesome. Uh, that's the one sport where I really look forward to the playoffs a lot. Uh, is hockey. Uh, let me get down to the final four teams here. For hockey, Pucks, made some information on no year. That guy's good, this guy's not. Um, might have a guest on in the next week or two as we get closer to hockey. Uh, Stanley Cup Finals, about that. But a couple games today, a couple game sevens today, which is must-see TV for hockey, in my opinion. Um, this next couple weeks, you want to watch it, now is the time to watch. Uh, basketball. It's kind of like hockey. If both teams of the second round are done, they get stuck in the second round with the first round going on. It's very confusing for the, for the casual fan like me. But again, as they get close to their finals, we'll keep you up to date on that too. But hockey's getting there. That's looking good for me. Um, do you have anything, Dan, for either you or the amateur baseball this week, last couple of weeks? Well, what I've what I've done is uh, I've done a, a YouTube a video, a preview of the Class C sports uh, uh, state amateur baseball tournament, and so Class A is done. Uh, B will be wrapping up this weekend, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then Class C uh, will start with a, a, a couple of games tonight, a whole slate on Saturday, another full um, final four. Elite Eight round on Sunday, and then the championship game is on on Labor Day, and so. And just just one more time, um, who won that Class A again? One more time. We got the program here of uh, the Class C. Uh, Minneapolis Millers won the uh, Class A. Uh, Minnetonka, sorry, Minnetonka. Yeah. So Minnetonka won 
and it was the Minneapolis Cobras the last year, but they had a rematch uh, this year, and they, the two teams uh, played again, and Minnetonka won. So uh, I'll be giving some coverage updates. Follow our page on Facebook, uh, because starting tonight and all day tomorrow and Sunday, I will be posting individual scores, uh, scores um, and some notes. And so follow those. I'll try to create a thread for, for Class C and a, cred, uh, a thread for Class B, and then I'll just post all the various comments below there so I don't muddy up the page on our Facebook page. But uh, first ball game tonight is 7.30 p.m. down in Milroy and 7.30 p.m. in Springfield. But that's all I've got for that. This is a fun time of year for, for amateur baseball. And then what we'll be covering on next week's show is, is, is more of the fall sports, uh, high school fall sports. Um, uh, the, the soccer, I know football's been pushed back, but I'll be covering a lot of that other, uh, other types of sports. Put a link on the Facebook page that they got there too for, uh, you can watch these games for baseball online. Yeah, the, all the games are going to be online televised because of the, because of the COVID, they are only allowing these games to be played with a maximum of 250, uh, fans in the crowd. Uh, so they're really giving the tickets 125 a piece to the home and the visiting team, a max of, of, of 250. And so it won't, it'll prevent a lot of people from coming and watching the games live in person. So what they're doing is broadcasting them, uh, televising them actually. And they're using that Channel 45 broadcast prep sports network that does high school only sports, the prep bowl, state basketball tournaments, things like that, where they've got that televised. Uh, they worked out an agreement with them, and that same group is is televising. Basically, they've got they've got I think a staff of two at, at each location: one doing the audio, one doing the video. And so it's very bare bones, basic, but you can get the play-by-play -play, um, logging into that service of all the games, and you can switch back and forth during the games when there's multiple games going on at the same time. And uh, once you purchase that game or the package. You can go back then and watch them later on or fast forward to a good spot or to something important that happened. You can go back and re-watch those games. You own that broadcast then. So uh, it's, it's pretty neat to uh, to be able to do that. A lot of the games are covered locally on local AM radio channels as well. So that's all I've got for that. Yeah, you just got to look for it. Uh, look up your team on a lot of the teams also have their own yeah, that's what I got. Um, Twitter account as well. The, uh, a lot of the baseball teams, if you if you don't know where to find them or do you want to get updates, uh, you can get them on their Twitter. Most baseball teams have their own Twitter page and Facebook page. But we're down to six. We're down to sixteen teams in, in C, and we're down to four teams that's in Class B. So there's really 20, 20 teams left uh, playing right now, and by uh, Labor Day uh, Monday they'll be all done. So it's a fun fun weekend. Perfect. Let's do that. Let's. Yeah, let's start off that. That'd be that'd be good. I'll bring up uh, some of the images here as we go. Singles in the first inning and both scored. Um, there was a 
they had only played together for a couple of years, and there was a time where they hit back-to-back home runs, too, so that was pretty cool. 1991, Houston quarterback David Kling, Cougars, Bob or Louisiana, Texas, 73 to um, That was the beginning of the Houston college team kind of doing the run and shoot, uh, offense, run up, scores all time. And of course, none of their players ever did squat in NFL, but in college they could run up, score for the year. 1992, the Minnesota Twins beat the Wikipedia Special. You're out of pinch hitters, so God would be real interesting then to watch. 1999, Dino Cicerelli, former Norse star, retired from the NHL. Uh, Dino played here, uh, the Red Wings, and the Capitals, I believe, for his career. He had a decent career. Uh, Paul Robbins, he's the guy I thought was a player. Um, born in 1935, Frank Robinson. Uh, 1977, WWE. Her birthday also 1979. September 1st, 1906, the New York Highlanders win their sixth against all three straight doubleheaders. Kind of like with pandemic baseball right now, with doubleheaders all the time. They have three straight doubleheaders are a new day. And just... Jerry Rice caught 17 passes for 294 yards and 5 teams. 1985, Bill Elliott claims $1 million bonus for winning three of the four crown jewel races in the NASCAR schedule that year. The Daytona 500, 2007, one of the biggest upsets in college football history. And I remember watching this game. It was awesome. Anytime Michigan loses, it's awesome. 109,000 fans saw Appalachian State's Corey Lynch block a field a 37 yard field goal attempt with six seconds remaining to give them a 34 32 win over Michigan. And so when you're these big teams, schools like Michigan have the little team come up. Even if Michigan would have won in that last second field goal, you needed a last second field goal to be a team. You thought you could have crushed. Now that team ends up beating you. That's awesome. A couple of years ago, they went on to Kansas State. And it, this was maybe a few years ago, because I think it was uh, Carson Wentz was the quarterback then. But they've done that to Kansas State. Now. They went to Iowa. Now. It's, it's fun to watch those games. 
2019, Houston Astros starter Justin Verlander strikes out 14 as he throws his career third career no-hitter and a 2 nothing win over the Blue Jays. Birthdays for September 1st, 1923, Rocky Marciano, uh, undefeated boxing champ from 52 to 56, was born in Massachusetts. 1964, Brian Bellows, uh, former North Star, uh, played a three-time All-Star, 84, 88, and 92. He was born in Ontario, Canada. Brian Bellows and the North Stars. September 2nd, 1965, Cubs slugger Ernie Banks hits his Major League Baseball, or his 400th career home run off Kurt Simmons in Chicago's 5-3 win and over St. Louis at Wrigley Field. Simmons also gave up Willie Mays' fourth 400 home run in 1963. The two great players both made 400 home runs, both off the same pitcher two years apart. So it's pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, hate to be that pitcher. Uh, bad note to have in your career history. 1990, Toronto's Dave Steed throws his record ninth, throws the league's record ninth no hitter for the season. Not Dave Steed tonight, but the league had nine that season. But they beat Cleveland 3 0. Uh, birthdays for that day. 1901, sports coach from Kentucky. Lots of stuff on there. Rupp Arena. A lot of history. Look up Ailf Rupp. Not getting into it. A lot of this political on it. But a good coach at the time. For 1901, passed away in 1970. Helped make Kentucky basketball very prominent at the time. 1937, Peter Uberoff. Former Major League Baseball Commissioner from 84 to 89. Also, was the organizer for the 84 Summer Olympics in Los Angeles, too. I uh, was born this day in 1937. 1948, Gary Bradshaw, uh, quarterback for the Steelers. You see football announcing the pregame shows on Fox. Uh, country album at one time. Gary Bradshaw, born in 1948. And 1961, one of the greatest running backs ever, Eric Dickerson. Birthday, uh, Single season record 2,105 yards. Uh, 1984 Pro Bowl Rams. Was born in Texas. He was also part of uh, some college shenanigans. Career kind of shady out of college, but who has it? 1963 Sam Mitchell, former Timberwolf, um, played for the Indiana Pacers. Did some coaching in the NBA. Sam Mitchell, birthday 1963. Uh, look for Sam to coach again in the NBA soon. September 3rd, 1965. Prior to move to Anaheim, the Los Angeles Angels changed their name to the California Angels. Which has now gone back to the Los Angeles Angels. Changed a couple times in between there. 1977. Japanese baseball superstar Saruhata Oh hits his 756th home run past Hank Aaron as the all-time leader for baseball. Now you see that on most power hitters and hitters like that, but you see that from the Japanese play back then with the hits. Yes, Japanese ballpark's a little smaller. 
But still, 756 is a great number. That's a great career. 1985, New York Mets catcher Gary Carter smashes three consecutive home runs and 83 win over the Padres at Jack Murphy Stadium. 2001, in just his 11th start, St. Louis Cardinals pitcher Bud Smith no hits the Padres 4-0. Birthdays, 1986. Sean White, uh, snowboarder, uh, red-haired kid. You see him on the Olympics all the time. Got the gold in 06, 10 and 18. Born in San Diego, California. I also know I think he's done the skateboarding thing a little bit too. He's a, he's a good athlete. Snowboarding is not easy. Good athlete. September 4th, 1950. NASCAR's first paved super speedway, the Darlington Raceway, hosts the Southern 500. First 500 mile event in NASCAR history. Johnny Nance was the winner of that. Night. Johnny, 1985, New York Mets catcher Gary Carter again. Two home runs on a 9 2 win versus the Padres, the tie major league record for five home runs in two games. 1993, Yankees pitcher Jim Abbott. No hits Cleveland Indians 4 0 in Yankee Stadium. Jim Abbott was a few athletes from Michigan I like. Jim Abbott went straight from college to the pros. Um, Jim Abbott was born without a right hand. You watch him pitch, that's why. Um, great athlete, though, great pitcher, don't get me wrong. If you're a hitter, you major league pitcher, great. But you not have a right hand. So, you ever watch him pitch, yeah, this shows that don't let little things hold you back. So he did. 1994, Miami quarterback Dan Marino. Five touchdown passes in the Dolphins' 39-35 win over New England, setting an NFL record for his 18th game of four or more touchdown passes. 1995, Chicago White Sox third baseman Robin Ventura hits a grand slam in consecutive innings in the fourth and fifth inning of a 14-3 route over the Rangers. Birthdays on this day, 1968, Mike Piazza. American baseball player for the Dodgers. He's born in Pennsylvania. Um, there we see him with Natalia shirt on. He is coaches in the World Baseball Classic and the Olympics. He is a coach for that team. I'm uh, very proud of his heritage there. Piazza. Some say the best catcher the Mets have ever had. I disagree. He's second best. Um, Godchild to Tony to Tommy Lasorda, a Dodgers manager. That's how Piazza got in the league. Last round. Hey, I'm gonna pick my grand or my godchild. Look what happened. Not what you know, it's who you know in life. 1980, Pat Nishak, baseball player, born in Madison, Wisconsin. September 5th, 1955. Here's Don Newcomb, hit the National League pitching record seventh home run of the season. In 1971, Astros pitcher J.R. Richard debuts, striking out 15 Giants in a 5-3 win. Uh, Jared, there he is, J.R. with uh, Astros, had their number on their pants. It's kind of cool. 1994, San Francisco wide receiver Jerry Rice. Twice we brought up Jerry Rice today. Uh, catches two touchdown passes and runs for enough score as the 49ers win 44-14 and runs over the, the Raiders. Uh, that helps yeah, that those three touchdowns helped them surpass Jim Brown's record for career touchdowns of 127. Uh, birthdays for this date. Willie Galt, 
former NFL receiver for the Bears and the Raiders was born in Griffin, Georgia. September 6th, 1977. The Angels acquired Dave Kingman from the Padres for cash. Two days later, the Yankees buy Kingman. He started the season with the Mets. That season, Dave Kingman played in all four... There was only four divisions at the time of baseball. American League East and West, National League East and West. That season, Dave Kingman played in all four divisions on four different teams. And there's the cars right there. Birthday is 1968. Pat Mears, Minnesota Twins infielder, was born in Kansas. Mears, decent ball player. Good player. He was no Jeff Rebelay like that. Good <laughs> ball player. And that does it for this week in sports history and birthdays. All righty. Music segment of the show for history and birthdays. August 31st, 2004. Green Day released the pedal track of their album American Idiot as a single three weeks before the album is even released or issued. The songs on the album are widely successful and highly acclaimed, each nominated for multiple Grammy Awards, winning Best Rock Album that year. American Idiot later became a successful stage musical. Weird Al, but a parody of that song, Canadian Birthday is 1970. Debbie Gibson. There's a recent picture of Debbie right there with her dogs off her Instagram page. Yes, 1970, Debbie. 1963, keyboardist and pianist Larry Waddle of the Mint Condition is born in St. Paul, Minnesota. He wrote the group's certified gold. What kind of man would I be? September 1st, 1984, Tina Turner completes her comeback as What's Love Got to Do With It? It's number one in America. 2012, Jeff Tate, late of the band Queensryche, announces plans to get a new Queensryche together. Pledging support from Rudy Sarzo, formerly of Quiet Riot, Bobby Baltzer, formerly of Rat, and Glenn Drover of Megadeth, formerly of Megadeth. Kelly Gray and Randy Jane, formerly of Men. So he had this band all set up. There's still some question as to whether they'd actually be able to be called Queensryche since Tate was so wrapped up in a lawsuit with three other members over there after they fired him that year to use the name. Never came to. The Queen's right. They said no. Kind of like the docking thing we have last week. These bands, oh, we're together forever, and then they quit, and they all use the name. It didn't work out. 1967, a young guitarist named Boz Skaggs joins the Steve Miller Band. Blues band led by his childhood friend, Steve Miller. 1936, country singer Conway Twitty is born. Harold Lord James in Mississippi. So happy birthday to Conway Twitty, who had Twitty City, kind of like Dollywood. September 2nd, 1995, Michael Jackson's you Are Not Alone becomes the first single to debut at number one of the Hot 100. In the video, Michael and his wife, Lisa Marie Presley, appear at Hopkins. And there they are. Michael and Lisa Marie. God, really. Also, 1995, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame opens in Cleveland. Opening ceremonies performed by Bob Dylan, Chuck Berry, James Brown, Aretha Franklin, Little Richard, Al Green, the Allman Brothers. 
Booker T and the MGs, Jerry Lee Lewis, Johnny Cash, Contenders, John Fogarty, Lou Reed, Iggy Pop, George Clinton, no relation to the former president, The Kings, John Mann, Bruce Springsteen, The Animals, Eric Byrne, and Boz Skaggs, as we mentioned earlier. Birthdays, 1975, R&D, soul singer, Tony Thompson, lead singer of High Five, was born in Waco, Texas. You know, he was raised in Oklahoma City. He was born in September 3rd, Ed Chamber wrote Showcase 68, a TV talent show, kind of like American Idol, but with professional acts. Slide the Family Stone. Had it going on. Court day is 1960, Perry Belmont. Belmont, I'm sorry, guitarist for The Cure, was born in London, England. Also 1955, Steve Jones, the guitarist for The Sex Pistols, also born in London, England. 1948, Donald Brewer. Drummer and Kobe singer of Grand Funk Railroad, born in So there's some iconic birthdays, some different brands in music for you. September 4th, 2002, Kelly Clarkson, like Justin Girardi, become the first American Idol winner. Little side note there on little Mr. Justin. Those of found work since then. As much work as Kelly Clarkson's found. Justin Vine did on his feet. He's doing okay. Probably never has to pay for Dr. Pepper anymore. He's doing okay. Birthday is 1980. Pop singer Don Miller. John Mellencamp, married supermodel Ellen Hill. Why? Why? It didn't work out for Billy. It didn't work out for David Bowie. You can do better. Who knows? 1989, Soundgarden released Louder Than Love, the first grunge album on a major label when they recorded with A&M. Birthday is 1969. Rock guitarist Weasel Zappa is born Ian and Donald Calvin. Ahmed Zappa in Los Angeles. His dad, Frank Zappa, of course, and wife, Gail. 1968, Brad Wilk, drummer of Rage Against the Machine, was born in Portland, Oregon. In 1946, rock drummer Buddy Miles of the Electric Flag and Jimi Hendrix Band of Gypsies was born George Allen Miles Jr. in Omaha, Nebraska. Grandmother called him Buddy. Jazz drummer, Buddy Nineteen forty-six, Queen frontman Freddie Mercury was born. And don't ask me to pronounce his real name. I'm not even gonna try. We all saw the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. We all know Freddie Mercury's as real name, but we all know I ain't gonna try to pronounce it. Freddie Mercury. September sixth, nineteen ninety-seven. Elton John sings his version of "Candle in the Wind." This rendition, he replaces Goodbye Norma Jean with Goodbye England's Rose. It becomes the best-selling single of all time in the UK after that. 1997, 
1995, Joan Jett sings the national anthem before the Baltimore Orioles game against California Angels. The game marks Cal Ripken's Orioles shortstop years, 2,131st consecutive game. Orioles fan and friend of Ripken watches the rest of the game alongside a host of baseball legends including Willie Mays and Joe Dimaggio. I think it was Joan Jett we mentioned a while ago. I always had to call Mike Tyson before a fight, too, because of a superstition Tyson had. Joan Jett, very into her sport. Let's get her on the show sometime. 1988, New Kids on the Block released their breakout album, Hanging Tough. The LP goes number one in America and spawns five singles, including the chart topping title track and the number three entry, You've Got It, The Right. 1968, Eric Clapton records the guitar solo for the Beatles while my guitar gently weeps. One of the best guitar solos ever. It's a, it's a great song. First of all, it's one of the best songs ever for the Beatles, in my opinion. Great solo. Clapton with the Beatles in the studio together. That sound check would have been a top five song. Birthday is 1944, Roger Waters, bassist and lead vocalist of Pink Floyd, is born. George Roger Waters. And that, boys and girls, is what I got for this week in sports and music history and birthdays. Band album of the week, which we have in your Sophie Walkman this week, sir. Well, Can you hear my audio now? Hello? Hello? Can you hear my audio? Hello? Can you hear me now, Andy? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? How's that? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? There you are. There we go. There you are. All right. Here's what I got for the album of the Osborne Blizzard of Oz here for episode 38. Blizzard of Oz was the debut solo the debut studio album by British heavy metal vocalist Ozzy Osbourne. Released in September 1980 in the UK, this is will be 40 years old coming up end of September that this was released. It wasn't released in the US until March of 1981. The album was Osbourne's first release following his firing from Black Sabbath back in 1979. Blizzard of Oz is the first of two studio albums Osborne recorded with guitarist Randy Rhodes prior to Rhodes' death in 1982. In 2017, this album was ranked ninth on Rolling Stone's list of 100 greatest metal albums of all time. Once again, released September 1980, the studio used was Ridge Farm Studio in Rusper, England. 
The genre, heavy metal, hard rock. Total length, 39 minutes, 31 seconds. The two singles released off of this album was, of course, Crazy Train, the one that's very popular now. Um, actually, 1981, that hit number nine on the mainstream rock USA charts. And then Mr. Crowley, the song I played there at the beginning. I'm not sure if you heard it, I was cutting out or not, but the song Mr. Crowley, one of my favorites, uh, hit number 46 on the UK singles chart. The album itself went five times platinum. Uh, it was four times for the longest time, but just in 2019, last, last year, it just hit five times platinum. Here's the personnel on the album. Ozzy Osbourne does lead vocals. Randy Rhodes, the phenomenal electric and classical guitarist on this album. Bob Daisley did the, the, uh, the, the bass. And Lee Kearslake drums. Don Airy did the keyboards. Now here's the track listing. Song 1, I Don't Know. That's a very good one. Song 2, Crazy Train. I think everyone's heard that. Number 3, Long Song. Goodbye to Romance. Over five and a half minutes. And that's followed up by the song D, an instrumental done by Randy Rhodes. That's only 50 seconds long. Then we get song five, Suicide Solution. That had some controversy on that one. Song six, Mr. Crowley. Song seven, No Bones Movies. No Bone Movies. Revelation Mother Earth follows that. That's the longest song on the track. Longest track on the album, six minutes, nine seconds. And then Steal Away the Night. Pretty quick album. Not even 40 minutes long. Suicide Solution did have its share of controversy, most notably in October 1984. The suicide of John McCollum really brought this to the spotlight. In, in fact, it's his parents that brought this to the spotlight. He was a depressed teenager who shot himself in the head, allegedly after listening to the song Suicide Solution. The boy's parents sued Osborne and CBS Records for encouraging self-destructive behavior in young persons who were especially, quote, susceptible to dangerous influences. And so in his defense, Osborne stated in court that when the song was being written, the words, wine is fine but whiskey's quicker, came to him suddenly, were a reflection not on the merits of suicide but rather the death of ACDC vocalist Bon Scott, a friend of Osborne's who recently died of alcohol-related misadventure. Now keep in mind, it was Bob Daisley, the bassist, who wrote the majority of the song's lyrics. He stated that actually it was Osborne's own substance abuse issues that was in mind when he composed the song. The McCollum's complaint was dismissed on the grounds of the First Amendment protecting Osborne's right to free artistic expression. And so that made a lot of news back in the day. Uh, this was 84 and I remember this myself, uh, that, that, that uh, the, the claims were that Ozzy and this album here was promoting suicide. It was promoting it. It was uh, doing this in the album, in the lyrics. Number one, Bob Daisley wrote the lyrics. Number two, they're talking about it as a solution. This had nothing to do with Ozzy. Ozzy just sang it. But Ozzy Osbourne back in these days were a lightning rod for criticism.
So I think the parents of this teenager, an unfortunate situation, jumped on the fact that they can make a little money off this and do a lawsuit against CBS Records. Uh, unfortunate as that is. But that, that's kind of what was going on back then. Uh, he was, Ozzy was with Black Sabbath and then was fired, and then this was just a year later he put together this, um, this, this, this band and just called him uh, Ozzy Osbourne. But uh, good album. There's the album title there, there on the screen here. The album he did have some uh, uh, strange things as far as the imagery and the lyrics. But once again, very good music on this. The much of the album was actually written by Randy Rhodes, bassist Bob Daisley, and Ozzy Osbourne in a live-in rehearsal facility in Monmouth, Wales, with a friend of Ozzy's named Barry performing as the group's drummer. He was never really considered a candidate to be the group's permanent drummer, and he was not involved with the songwriting process at all. But the band recorded demos of the songs I Don't Know, Crazy Train, Goodbye to Romance, and You Looking at Me, Looking at You in Birmingham in early 1980 with ex-lone star drummer Dixie Lee. The band had hoped that Lee would be a permanent member, but he wasn't the final piece of the puzzle, says bassist Daisley. After auditioning several drummers, ex-Uriah Heap member Lee Kerslake was hired at the band's, as the band's permanent drummer and completed the lineup. They retreated to Gloucester, Gloucester for six days to rehearse and give Kerslake an opportunity to learn the new songs. A week later, they traveled to Ridge Farm Studio to commence the recording. The first track written for the album was Goodbye to Romance. Osborne has stated that the song was his way of saying goodbye to his former band Black Sabbath, as he thought his career was over after leaving the band. After performing a show in Birmingham, the band hastily returned to Ridge Farm to remix Goodbye to Romance for a single. The next morning they were informed that their label Jet Records instead wanted a brand new song to release as a single. Rhodes, Daisley, and Kerslake quickly put together the song You Said It All with drummer Kerslake performing the guide vocal at Soundcheck while a drunken Osborne slept under the drum riser. The song was ultimately never recorded, although a live version was released on Ozzy Osbourne Live EP in 1980. The final track written was No Bone Movies, which was originally intended to be used only as a B-side, but was added to the album in order to give Kerslake a writing credit, as all the other material had been written before he joined the band. Interesting move there. I was not aware of that. Keyboardist Don Airy claims that parts of Revelation Mother Earth, as well as the intro to Mr. Crowley, were written by him in the studio, although he never received writing credit for these contributions. The album was a commercial success, being certified four times platinum in the U.S., a feat Ozzy Osbourne would not achieve again until the release of No More Tears in 1991. Currently, the album has sold over 6 million copies to date worldwide, making it Osbourne's best-selling solo album. The UK was the first of four Osbourne albums to attain single certification, and he achieved that in August of 1981. It also ranked as 13th on the Guitar World Reader's Poll of 100 Greatest Guitar Albums of All Time. In his autobiography, Osborne readily admitted at the time the album was being recorded, 
he felt he was in direct competition with his former band. They did do a, a re-release in 2002. They did a re-release of this in 2000, uh, 2002 uh, with some remastering and whatnot in the, uh, on the record. Uh, Andy, do you have anything else to share on this? I know you were a fan of some of this uh, other uh, hard rock music back in the day. Do you have anything to add, Andy? Well, we're wrapping up on the hour here, coming up on the broadcast. Once again, this is episode 38 for Sports and Songs podcast. Today is September 4th, 2020. We'll get this out there on the next uh, episode on Anchor on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Anything else, Andy, to offer? Are you there? Hello. Can you hear me? I just wrapped up the Blizzard of Oz review, and um, we covered that. That was a 1980-1981 album, and I was just talking to the, to, the, uh, to the listeners now about the 2002 remix. They re-announced, remixed that, and they brought in, I think it was Robert Trulio. Trio on the bass to redo those songs for the 2002 um, release of that, and I wasn't familiar with that before. Uh, that was interesting to, to me now. Uh, but what we'll do is put this out there on Anchor, 9 o'clock Sunday morning. And do you have anything, any closing words here, Andy? All right, sounds good. Um, we will put this out there, and please leave your comments below. Thanks, and have a good weekend. Hello. Hello. Are you there? Are you there? Hello, are you there? We're done. We're done. Did you hear it? Can you hear me now?